Hi, and welcome to Help with Parkinson's podcast number 14. My name's Warren Butfinick. I'm your host. And today we have a guest, Dr. Subramanian from Hershey Medical Center. Welcome, Dr. Sub. Hi, Warren. Thanks for uh, inviting me again. I'm delighted to be doing this series of talks for you. Good. What, what we have to talk about today, it's uh, not, a, not a subject that's making any uh, big news, but it's still important. It's about freezing with Parkinson's. And freezing is when you feel like you have magnets under your feet, just holding into the ground, just stuck to the, your feet stuck to the floor. And uh, people are very susceptible to falling when they have that. So, doctor, you want to give a little update on freezing? Yes. Yeah, so, um, freezing is a phenomenon that is experienced by uh, many Parkinson patients in their advanced stages of disease. It's very uncommon in early stages, uh, but when it happens, uh, it can be pretty dramatic. A good example would be uh, somebody's walking and all of a sudden they are stuck and they cannot move anymore. One common location where this happens is when they get to a doorway uh, or when they have to go across an obstacle. And that's the time when uh, the body appears to freeze, what we call gate freezing, meaning unable to move in the process of a gait or walking. You can also have freezing when you are seated. So you sit for a long time and you cannot get up. Even though rest of your body seems to be moving, your arms seem to be moving, um, you simply are unable to get up that there's an inertia, there's difficulty in getting up. Uh, so it can also happen in other situations uh, where you could be going down a flight of stairs or something, and then uh, you could have difficulty freezing while you're stuck and you can't come off the steps anymore. Uh, this uh, epi episodic freezing or freezing of gait is thought to be a form of off phenomenon. Uh, and we, we don't quite understand why this happens so abruptly, but there are theories about how the brain reacts to um, this refreezing spells and how to overcome them. Uh, so let's think about how doctors recommend overcoming that. One of the frequent examples that works is that if you have patterns and if you break the pattern, then you're able to break the freezing. What do I mean by that? Uh, for example, there is a cane that we sell that, uh, that you can buy uh, that has a laser at the bottom. And if you have the laser on, it provides a barrier that you have to cross. So if you put the laser light on in front of you while you're freezing, then immediately the body is able to cross it, the line, and then you are overcoming the freezing. And the example is that instead of having um, no patterns on your carpet or on your flooring, if you had lines, parallel lines, or zigzag patterns, then you're able to overcome freezing. Uh, another example would be uh, if you have a walker, we have a laser light in the bottom of the walker. You can take the laser light on whenever you're frozen and you can cross that and then overcome the freezing. These are simple tricks, but this also points to what happens in the brain. It appears that the human brain, when you develop Parkinson's, 
requires some sort of pattern to cross. In other words, if there are no patterns, if it is too smooth, then the Parkinson brain has difficulty dealing with it. And having some sort of pattern or disruptions appears to provide relief for the difficulties of freezing. So I hope that gives paints a broad picture of what freezing is. Yes, and I know that there's two types of freezing. There's an, being in the off state and being on both the off state and the on state. Can you tell us the difference between those two? Yes, so the freezing that happens during the off state is sort of predictable or typically quite easily predictable. Uh, patients take their Parkinson medicine, for example, eight in the morning and towards the end of the dose, which is typically roughly about three and a half hours later, and they're supposed to take their next, next dose at uh, 12 noon, then it's not uncommon that a person experiences freezing at three and a half hours after their first dose of medicine. And then they wait until the next dose kicks in and they're no longer frozen, which might be at 12.30 because they took their pill at 12 and a half hour later. So that means that from 11.30 to 12.30, almost an hour, they're frozen and they have difficulty moving. So this is predictable freezing. And otherwise we call it off freezing. Then we do have unpredictable freezing. And that can happen when one's medicine is working, what we call the on state. And this is when the patient is moving freely they're able to walk, but in the middle of their walking, suddenly they get frozen and they cannot move as easily as they used to before. But then, for example, we have a pattern, and they're able to cross the pattern, like a laser light or a line on the floor or uh, some sort of a little obstacle. You can even put somebody else's foot in front of you. So if you have a caregiver, the caregiver puts the foot in front of you and you cross that foot with your leg, that can even overcome this freezing that uh, happens during the on state. What about DBS? Has that been shown to help with freezing? Yes. So in some limited uh, experience, the patients who are having severe uh, uh, freezing of gait, um, there has been some evidence that bilateral deep brain stimulation can be used. Um, RTMS, which is repetitive transcranial magnetic stimulation of the brain, can be used. Um, there's also certain exercises, um, auditory cueing, like using a metronome, or visual cueing, just like uh, we talked about the lasers. Uh, they are all useful. If you have extreme form of uh, freezing, one newly discovered treatment or one treatment that we, we are finding more and more used is the use of uh, epimorphine injections. So epimorphine is a medicine that's been around for quite some time, um, more longer than actually levodopa. However, more recently, we have managed to uh, make it more convenient for people to take. It comes in a pre-filled syringe. It is an in injectable medicine. It's a very powerful agent. It's uh, almost as powerful or a little bit more powerful than levodopa. However, it's ultra-short acting. So when you take the injection, it uh, quickly jumpstarts or gives you a very 
quick boost in less than five minutes, you feel very good. But the effect only lasts for two hours. And after two hours, it wears off. And then you have to repeat the injection if you have to um, get the benefit again. And you can do this injection only five times in a day. So you can get up to 10 hours of relief from these injections. But in the case of freezing, this can be very, very effective, especially if you have um, end of dose wearing off with freezing, uh, predictable freezing, where you know you're going to get frozen for half hour or so. Then you can take the shot right before you feel that freezing come on, and then you get the relief for the two hours. And then during the two hours, you can take your levodopa, and that will cover or bridge you to the time when you don't need that uh, extra boost to make you move. Uh, of course, the freezing that happens without any warning um, during your own period, that's more hard to treat with these injections because you'll have to wait, get yourself an injection, wait for a couple of minutes before it works, before you can move. And that's very inconvenient. So in that situation, um, use of other agents, like either using dopamine agonist, if you're not taking dopamine agonist, or taking amantadine, um, or deep brain stimulation, as you brought up, uh, may be effective. But again, one important thing to remember is freezing of gait is sporadic. It's not like it happens all the time in most people. It happens randomly without any warning. So it's kind of difficult to treat without knowing the pattern in an individual patient. So one of the most important things we want to talk about freezing is that if you are experiencing freezing is to go see your movement disorder doctor have a close diary of everything that happens to you. When does it happen? How does it relate to your dosing of medication? Uh, when does it relate to what activity that you do? If you're going through a particular route in your house and that route has many doorways, and are you observing that your freezing is happening at the doorways? Or if you have a long, narrow corridor, are you having the freezing whenever you go through that corridor? Or alternatively, are you using a flooring which does not have patterns? It's very plain with no lines on it, and that's where you freeze. These are important considerations. And the solutions for these things can be very simple as putting a carpet on or drawing lines on your carpet or making the drop, uh, doorways slightly bigger or um, having a uh, cane which has got a laser light that you can turn on when you are uh, going through a narrow doorway. So these are solutions that are fairly simple, inexpensive, and can be used very easily. But then again, it's important to notice these things and bring it to the attention of your movement disorder specialist so that he or she can custom design your therapy for the freezing. So it sounds like the best way to, to have therapy when you're outside your house is to know how to handle freezing instead of trying to prevent freezing. Right. So uh, observing and noticing when and how the freezing happens, it may appear at the first blush that it's random. However, if you pay attention to the details, when did it happen, how did it happen, and write these things down. Um, and if you took the time to write down all the freezing episodes that you had in a week or two, and typically, most patients experience maybe three or four freezing episodes in a day, sometimes more, sometimes less. But writing these things down, saying, okay, I froze when I was going through this narrow corridor, 
or I froze when I was trying to get into the bathroom and or when I was trying to get out of the bathroom or I was walking through this narrow pathway and I froze there or I was walking in this particular room where the carpet is plain and there are no lines on it and that's when I froze. Noticing these patterns, these important cues uh, would help you uh, customize the treatment with the help of your doctor. And the doctor might be able to uh, suggest solutions, either adjust your medication, take epimorphine shots, start amantadine, uh, change the pattern in your carpet, or use a, a laser-lighted walking aid. Um, any of those solutions might be appropriate for you, or go for surgery like deep brain stimulation or transcranial magnetic stimulation. The point is there are solutions, but for getting to the solution, the doctor will need to know how, when, and where does the freezing happen. Yes. So if you're going to a place you've never been to before, do you have any suggestion of how to enter a room? I know the doorways are important, but when you're someplace you don't know, you have no control over that. Is there a way of maybe working your way around the room on the edges or in the middle or things to avoid? Yes. So um, one important thing that helps overcome freezing is lines or patterns on the flooring. Um, so if you pay attention to the lines, so if there are uh, lines on the flooring, uh, use those. So like you pointed out, sometimes the lines are towards the edges of the room. So if you go through the edges, then it might help you. The other thing is you don't even need an actual line. It could be shadows. It could be uh, glares. It could be uh, reflections. Anything that helps uh, break down the pattern, visual pattern, so is what you look at that's most important uh, that helps you overcome it. It appears that our human brain takes in visual information of pattern and that pattern actually allows you to overcome the barrier of freezing by making your limbs go across these patterns. So for example, I have a gentleman who simply put on grating in his window. And by putting gratings on the window, it uh, projected uh, patterns onto his flooring. He didn't have to change his carpet or nothing. The carpet is still plain, but by changing the window uh, pattern, the amount of light coming through the window allowed a uh, lines to form on the reflection. And this allowed him to walk freely in the house. I have another gentleman who uh, purchased a special kind of uh, bulb and this bulb had patterns on it. So by putting these patterns, he was able to overcome the freezing that he experienced every time he went into the room. Another gentleman um, I know who put a small colored barrier on the doorway to his bathroom. So uh, the bathroom floor and the adjacent room, the entering room floor had similar carpeting and the flooring looked even. And this was creating a problem. Every time he entered the bathroom, he would freeze. Uh, of course, it didn't help that there was a doorway that, there as well. But what he did was simply um, got a colored piece of tape, placed the colored piece of tape between the bathroom door and the entranceway so that now there's something that breaks the pattern and that was all that was needed. Now he no longer freezes when he goes into the bathroom or when he comes out of the bathroom because he can see the colored pattern on the floor. So it could be as simple as that 
that could be a solution. But again, it's very customizable. It depends on who's experiencing freezing and in what situation that are they experiencing the freezing. Um, there are other tools and aids that you can carry with you. I already mentioned the walking stick, which has got the laser at the bottom. Uh, there's also a walker that's available that has the laser in the bottom. There's also a pattern flashlight that's available. You can buy this flashlight and it will give you a pattern similar to what looks like a step, for example. It looks like a ladder or a step that you can project in front of you. Um, so if you're going through uh, to a situation where, where you don't know what's going to happen, are you going to freeze or not, you could get this flashlight and turn the flashlight on whenever you freeze. It will project on the floor lines and this will allow you to overcome the freezing. Uh, that is also available. Um, of course, how obtrusive this flashlight is going to be depends on where you're going to. Um, but if it's something that's in friendly territory, you can certainly use it, and that will overcome your freezing every time um, you have to do it. Good. Do you have any suggestion of somebody that kind of boxes themselves in a corner, that they're kind of have their in front of them is, is a door or a wall, and they, they have to turn around, but they have trouble turning around? Right. So uh, metronomes can be used for this. Metronome is sounds. Um, so any pattern um, will allow you to overcome. Of course, visual patterns are more important than sound patterns. But um, I do have a gentleman, and metronomes are easy nowadays because you can get the metronome uh, for free on your iPhone. You can download it. Uh, or Android. You can From the Android store, you can um, download metronomes. Metronomes are patterned sounds, and this is used for teaching uh, drumming and for teaching uh, people music or patterns or dancing. For this, metronomes are very frequently used. You can purchase the metronome, and if you're boxed in a corner, you just turn on the metronome and then follow the metronomics pattern to try to move. Uh, so the sound will allow you to break the barrier of freezing and use the metronome to actually uh, get out of the corner where you're stuck. So that's something you can use. Now, of course, this means that you have to put play the sound, and the sound has to be loud enough for you to hear it. Uh, if you're in a situation where you can't make that sound, that's kind of a tricky situation. Um, you can also make your own pattern. I've had a gentleman who make clicking voices out of their back of their throat and uses that as a metronome to try to get out of the freezing situation. Uh, I know of people who sing, uh, sing frequent, singing frequently breaks the pattern. So uh, anything that breaks a monotonous uh, situation, whether it's sound or light, uh, will help you overcome it. Um, there's also textured um, shoes, uh, shoes that have on the bottom um, grooves and i've heard that some patients find such grooved uh, shoe or footwear allows them to overcome freezing by uh, making side-to-side -side movements that simulate a pattern or overcoming a pattern uh, you could try that as well of course uh, optimizing medications to avoid freezing is more important than anything else that's very good advice appreciate that and uh with the comorbidities, the, the other diseases that could be happening at the same time, 
is that something that patients should really talk to their doctor about, such as their eyesight or anxiety and things like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. So everything adds up. And of course, we are dealing with patient as a whole. So obviously, as you get older, since Parkinson's is generally a disease of older age, uh, cataracts, uh, visual disturbances, macular degeneration, uh, night blindness, all these things certainly add to the lack of visual input. As we already discussed, visual input is critical and necessary uh, for the gait patterns. And if you don't have visual input, then it's difficult to break the freezing episode. Uh, similarly, hearing can also be diminished uh, in, um, with aging, and you have age-associated hearing loss. And therefore, uh, metronomes or rhythms are difficult to hear uh, if your hearing is poor. So, yes, so I think comorbid visual loss comorbid uh, hearing loss, uh, gait and balance issues, they all play an important role with freezing. In addition, anxiety, as you mentioned, because as you get older, uh, you always fear the worst. And the fear of falling uh, is particularly uh, devastating for patients. And it's interesting that you brought this up because there's a recent article that says that the fear of falling is the greatest after the age of 65. And people below the age of uh, 65, the, age, uh, the fear of falling is less. However, if you have a fall before the age of 65, then the, the, once you have the fall, then your fear of falling becomes equal to what it is in patients who are over the age of 65. So this clearly influences your mind because whenever you're frozen, you get worried and you become anxious whether you're going to fall. And that adds to the crisis that you're already on because now you freeze even more because the anxiety actually drives more of the freezing response from your body. And then when you try to move and you can't move, the anxiety becomes even worse. So it's a vicious cycle. And these patterns perhaps break these vicious cycles, whether it's a sound pattern or whether it's a visual pattern might be something that we uh, use as a technique to break down these uh, patterns. Good. So uh, my opinion, and tell me if you agree with me, is just because these are non-drug interventions, they're still just as important as medication. And the worst thing that can happen is you, you don't go out to a strange room because you're afraid of freezing and falling. You, you agree with that? I agree completely. Um, exactly correctly said. Uh, to summarize what we have discussed so far uh, in terms of treatments for freezing, the most important thing is to recognize that freezing does not happen usually in isolation. There's usually some circumstances around which freezing happens and identifying the circumstances that cause freezing may be the clue to get the treatment correctly. So keeping good notes writing down what circumstances cause freezing and reporting this to your physician may be the first step that you ought to do. If that's already identified, then the doctor might be able to make adjustments in either your regular carbidopa levodopa, add a MAOB inhibitor like rasagiline or silagiline, 
may be able to give omantadine, um, which we discussed in an earlier podcast. There are also other types of medicines like uh, methylphenidate and dopamine agonists that can be used. Occasionally, botulinum toxin can be used. There's also anecdotal evidence that deep brain stimulation, um, transcranial magnetic stimulation, etc., can be used. But before we get to any of those things, simple measures such as using patterns, using aids that give patterns, whether it's sound patterns or light patterns, uh, that break down the visual feedback may be the easiest, simplest thing to do. And oftentimes it works really well. Uh, but when that all else fails, we can try all these medications that we discussed. And what about dopamine-induced freezing caused by the administration of dopamine medications? I know it's rare, less than 5%. Do you think it's worth our listeners getting familiar with this, Dr. Sub? So, yeah, so dopamine itself can contribute, and that's been um, reported by uh, several people where if you are overdosed on medicine, um, occasionally you can have freezing or freezing-like episodes, although it's rare. Most of the time when you're overdosed on levodopa, you get what we call dyskinesia, excessive movement. Occasionally you can have dystonia, which can mimic freezing, because either your leg twists or foot twists, and that can be mistaken for freezing. But rarely, uh, there have been reported cases of freezing that occurs when you are at very high levels of dopamine in your body. So uh, that's a paradoxical response. We don't expect that to happen, but it's been reported. We don't understand why that actually happens. Uh, One of the ideas is that it may be related to... um, Uh, other neurotransmitters in the body, such as norepinephrine. And norepinephrine is a compound that uh, occurs the next step after dopamine in the body. So when you produce dopamine in your body, you take amino acid tyrosine and then you build it up to make uh, dopamine. And from dopamine, you make the next compound, which is called norepinephrine, sometimes called noradrenaline. And then the last step is to produce what we call adrenaline. So there is some theory that perhaps there is a problem with the second step after dopamine in the production of um, norepinephrine or noradrenaline. That could be an issue. So sometimes we use a drug called droxidopa. Um, Droxidopa is a medication we have frequently used for treating orthostatic hypotension. We discussed this in another podcast as well. So droxidopa has been shown in some limited cases uh, has been helpful for freezing that happens in the setting of excess dopamine. Um, it's not clear how that actually works, but um, end story is that patients do get the benefit. We don't exactly know why that helps. Okay, so I've uh, asked all my questions I had to ask you. Do you have anything you'd like to add to this podcast? Um, the main thing I just wanted to just sort of uh, summarize, We we kind of, uh, looked at all the different therapeutic options and everything. But for the listener uh, who's experiencing freezing, I want to reassure them that there are treatment options and majority of the time we can overcome it. So rather than becoming upset, because this can be very upsetting and it can be very dramatic, um, it can be very emotional because you're in the middle of something and you're stuck and you can't do anything. Um, instead of panicking and becoming upset and, and uh, giving up hope, 
the solutions are available. It just requires a little bit of patience, working with your doctor, taking careful notes, and uh, solutions can be found. In majority of the cases, uh, we can solve freezing and patients can be helped. So I think the message is that of hope, message is that of uh, uh, positive uh, feelings that we can overcome freezing and be successful in uh, leading day-to-day routine life without the fear that you're going to be disrupted with what you plan to do. That's good. Very good, Dr. So, well, thank you very much for coming. Thank you. Bye.